Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast presented on the Top Football Club, Top FCTV channel of the Football Tonight Podcast. We are recording this on Sunday, November 26th. Happy Thanksgiving. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, Spurs win but lose again uh, as Villa join the top four. Newcastle put Chelsea back in their place in Chelsea's worst performance of the season. And United score the goal of the season against a defiant Everton. But first, Liverpool claw back a draw against City to stake their claim on the title. But before we do that, Please like, share, and subscribe. Like, share, and subscribe. We need you. We love you. We've got to have you on the show, part of the show, all over the show. And we're going to go through the scores in just a minute. But let us first go to uh, the Liverpool game uh, against City. A good game. Uh, I think City will probably rue so many missed chances. First half, I felt like... City were at it, very classic Manchester City, very Bernardo everywhere Manchester City, very strong performance in the first half where Liverpool couldn't cope with the movement of Bernardo Silva, who was everywhere and nowhere and just part of where everyone wanted to go. Um, I would just give City you know, so much credit um, for being able to really control a very strong Liverpool team in the moment in the game and just able to be there in their normal standard way. Uh, lineups, we'll just go through it really quick, right? We've got the standard Walker, Ruben Diaz, Ake with uh, with Rodrigo, Julian Alvarez and Bernardo, Manuel Akanji in the midfield, but really part of the back four with Foden, Doku and Holland up front. Uh, nothing wild here for Liverpool. You know, they really don't change things that often. I thought Curtis Jones was probably an odd addition. I think probably the problem of why Bernardo Silva was everywhere destroying everything uh, with Jogo Jota also not really helping as much as they would like him. And you can see they came off on the 54-minute mark. Uh, I'm still working at figuring out how to make these screens look a lot better while we're trying to show what happens. Uh, it's getting a little bit better, getting a little bit better. Uh, but we'll run through the scores uh, as we go through it. Um, the big thing here was just Liverpool's ability to change the game that I don't think Guardiola responded to. So first half, City being their dominant self, they get the goal from Holland on a mistake from Allison. Allison had a really poor game in distribution. He did make a huge save against Foden, but in terms of distribution, he was really bad. And I think you could see the difference between uh, Ederson and Allison. Allison is the better shot stopper, but Ederson is such a killer. Um, Ederson is such a killer distributor of the ball. Um, I think he probably could have done better on the Alexander shot. Uh, it was a, it wasn't a hard shot, uh, but um, that's where they were. How did I feel during this game? I felt like City were in control. I thought that they had five. I in fact didn't even notice that Guardiola wasn't even in there. Uh, I felt like this was very much in the mode of how City's games have been this season, where Bernardo Silva completely dominates the games. Uh, I was not afraid of Salah. I thought seeing Ake out there used to be a sign that I was afraid, but now it's a sign that I'm happy and pleased because ultimately Nathan Ake is our is Manchester City's best fullback. Um, he wasn't a fullback. He became a fullback, and now he's... A really, really fantastic fullback. And when it's Salah, when it's Liverpool, you really want Ake in there controlling the game. Um, and he did control Salah. Salah did not have a good game in this game. So ultimately, um, that was where the control came from. Uh, the Holland goal was set up by Ake, actually jinking through both Sobajai and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Trent Alexander-Arnold doing his best impression of a traffic cone. This is what he does. He's not a natural defender. I know it's okay, Liverpool fans. He doesn't have to be the greatest defender of all time, but he can't 
drive out lazy legs. So in that case, he did just stick out a foot um, after Slobozai kind of half got him. I got the sense that one of them was going to decide which one was going to pick him up, and neither of them did. And in that case, he fired the ball into Holland, who was in the right half space, turned and fired. Boom. Nice goal. Didn't quite get it, but Allison couldn't get a hold on it, and Holland has. Let's just get this right. We really have to stop for a moment as I pause. Erling Holland is the fastest to 50 goals in Premier League history. That doesn't mean, you know, we go back to League One last 100 years. I understand that. But he broke the record by 15 games. Uh, Andy Cole, way back in the early 90s, in the first two seasons of the Premier League, he scored 34, then another 25. And those are his two great seasons. He never scored that many goals again when he was with Newcastle in the, in the first two seasons of the Premier League. Andy Cole was fantastic. Uh, he did go to United and win things, but he was never as prolific a goal scorer ever again. Um, but he w set that record by 15 games. So 50 goals in 48 games, in his first 48 games in the Premier League. I think it's pretty safe to say that record won't be broken unless there's um, unless there's a, there's a Lionel Messi type that one day comes to the Premier League. So really something else that you can see from Holland. He's just one of the most incredible players ever to grace the Premier League, and we should all be really freaking pumped that he's in the division. He, you know, that's his record right there. 48 appearances, 50 goals, player of the season, golden boot winner, all these things. We see all his records immediately. Just one of the all-time great players. I mean, that is ridiculous right there. 13 and 14, 30, and he's not even having a good season this year. No De Bruyne, no party. So we already are seeing an incredible performance from him. Um, but this isn't about, this isn't, I don't think this is about City's performance. I think, I know no one believes me, no one cares, no one wants to hear it. City are not the same city you think they are. They are methodical. They will choke you out. They are a team that wants control. They were depleted, and their control players weren't available. So Kovacic, who controls the ball and turns things around, I know you'll hear the word pausa. No pausas on City's side. So Bernardo Silva really had to do that on his own. Doku was trying to go a little bit slower. Maybe Pep gave him that instruction, but I really didn't like what I saw from Doku. He was the main outlet, and he kept on going at Alexander-Arnold, but he kept on taking one or two touches too many. And I think that actually he didn't have a good performance, even though his dribbling dribbliness was dribble fantastic. He he took too many touches all the time, slowed things down. And one of the juxtaposed differences is the way Grealish slows things down versus the way Doku does. Doku doesn't want to slow things down naturally. Grealish does want to slow things down and make those crosses. Uh, on the other side, Foden had an okay game in the first half, had good shots, two really good shots at Allison. One was an incredible save. But second half, this was all Liverpool. Uh, Klopp made the changes on 54. Out came Jones, um, and that really changed the game. Out came Jones, and out came Jota on for Diaz and Gravenberch. Gravenberch is better than Jones. Uh, it was able to carry the ball, was able to get more control, and then I think Liverpool became more aggressive. Uh, they became more like, hey, we can win this game. We're only down a goal. We had a bad first half, but we're Liverpool goddamn football club. Let's go win this thing. And I think second half, they really put those charges in. Uh, the goal from uh, from Trent was really good on 80. Uh, deserved a nice finish. Low back lift. Bing, bang, boom. Very quick. Uh, nothing really City could do there. Although I do think Allison, I want him, to, not Allison. I do want Ederson to make those saves. Just make the goddamn saves. For the narratives, for our stories. This is a big point for Liverpool. Uh, this puts them in the system. This puts them in the driver's seat. They hadn't beat City in seven years at home. Uh, City had been on a 24-game winning streak at home. I'm not going to put anything down to that, like, oh, it's some catastrophic thing. Winning the Premier League is really hard. And every season is a new season. Every season brings new challenges. Every season has a new narrative. And this season, cities is, we're dealing with injuries. There was no depth. City couldn't make any changes. One of the differences between these two teams was Liverpool had the depth and went five deep. Um, and, and, and Klopp used it. Whereas City did not. 
Pep went that same five. So when Pep complains about too many games, shut up. You're not even making any changes. I'll tell my refer- my coach to shut up. We went the same team, and City basically petered out and really didn't really have that push, that drive to go get a winner, honestly. Uh, it didn't feel like they were ever going to get a winner. Although late, they had some chances. Obviously, this is Liverpool. This is City. This is the Nuevo Clásico. But it was kind of a tactical stalemate. City doing their control in the first half. Liverpool getting their one-goal lead. And then it kind of kind of being going out with a whimper. Uh, I'm relatively happy with the draw. Um, I know people don't want to hear this. City won the trouble last year. I don't care. We won three leagues in a row. Um, I don't think we're going to win four leagues in a row. It's too mentally crazy to happen. Uh, although the cavalry is on the way for City, uh, my understanding is that Kevin De Bruyne's probably a month away. Um, by then, by then, the business end of the season, I think if Liver, if City can stay in touch, stay in this top group, this pack that's not pulling away, but I think we can all agree that. Liverpool, Arsenal, and City are the three best teams, and we'll have a little bit of a fight down the stretch. Um, that Kevin getting Kevin De Bruyne in the back half of the season is just going to be an immense, immense difference. Uh, it's just going to change everything for City. Um, for Liverpool, they can puff their chest out. They can feel like they're in a better shape. They're probably a little bit short, if I'm being honest. You can't have draws at Luton. That just can never happen if you want to win the title. Uh, now, City can say the same thing, but I still think the away form for Liverpool is always going to be a problem. They're always going to be a little bit defensively loose, and they still don't control matches the way you want to. And I think that's still down to the midfield. Maybe Graven Birch will become more involved and be that linking player between um, between McAllister and Slobozai. But Slobozai clearly is the attacking forward. Uh, McAllister as a six is... Still not there. They still need someone who thinks about protecting the back four more. Uh, even though Van Dyke is fantastic and seems to be back to his form, Matip, I don't know. <laughs> He's always about two games away from an injury. Uh, we know about Trent. Uh, I think Robertson coming back will make a huge difference. Although Simicast was fine. I don't think he was bad. He's a squad player. Uh, he does the job. Uh, but you know, with, as long as Allison's there, Although he did look hurt, um, I think they'll be okay. But Allison not being there might be a problem. But uh, a good game and sets the narrative for a three-team race uh, with City down the stretch. Okay, let us travel, travel, travel to our friends in Everton. Uh, Everton at home playing Manchester United. This was their first game after the um where is it oh it was today this is their first game after the uh points deduction that they got i would say this was about as hostile an environment as you could see uh all the everton fans marching all the everton fans and this is it's important that i set this pregame this is a super hostile environment. United were going into a bear pit of doom, destruction, a game that we would say, and I thought that United would have a problem with. Uh, big news for United was that Luke Shaw was back. Most of the same players were back in the side. Uh, let's just get the lineups very quickly. Uh, let's just make sure I have this right. Um, you know, you've got, you know... Uh, Everton played their regular crew. I still don't understand why Ashley Young plays. That blows my mind. But this group has been good. Geiner, Gay, Harrison, and McNeil with McNeil and Harrison. Very good. Calvert-Lewin and DeCore have really had Everton playing well. They've won uh, 6 of 10 uh, in their last 10 in all competitions. So you'd, you'd think, you know, they were in good shape. But the big news here was Luke Shaw was back. That's huge. Uh, McTominay. And then the other one, he doesn't even have a picture. Kobe Mino was fantastic in this game, but also a surprise. Uh, but going back to the environment, this was an Evertonian moment that Everton had to show who they were, what the club meant to them, and what it meant to football. I think that these types of moments 
are massive. And I don't think I've gotten too far into the points deduction thing for Everton. Um, I think it's bullshit. Uh, I think it's completely unfair. I think the idea of a sustainability program for Premier League clubs that could potentially bankrupt the club is a lie. So Everton, if you don't know, have had a 10-point deduction taken off them uh, for breaches in financial fair play, uh, whatever it's called, uh, sustainability and awareness, blah, 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 something that the clubs all made up and agreed to uh, screw uh, each other over. Um, But this fight from the Evertonians was real and important. Uh, They showed what the club means to them. They showed... Where did my game go? It left me. They showed fight. They showed spirit. The stadium was loud. The stadium was full-on supporting of Everton. And that is the environment that Man United went into. Um, And Garnacho just completely ended it. (laughs) Uh, In what has to be the goal of the season, Garnacho just on the three-quarter volley on a cross from, not Rashford, Rashford set it up. But anyway, whoever set it up, uh, three-quarter volley, better than Rooney's. It's going to be an all-time goal. Uh, it will be remembered for I was there. Uh, the goal is just, oh, it's from Delo. Delo on the cross. An all-time goal. And Garnacho just completely silences Goodison. And I think that moment really does end the kind of bear pit mentality for um for Everton at that moment it's over the crowd is silenced they're out of the game um and i think from there that gave the united team confidence that even though it was really just a moment and i don't think united were particularly good i mean they're they they were united i think they're way more defensively solid i give them a lot of credit uh, I, I do, will give them credit after the, after I go through this. After they scored that goal, they you know they they were able to play and Garnacho played with energy. But they took Everton's crowd out of the game, and then it just made it another Premier League game. And if it's just another Premier League game, United is better. Uh, and and Mino really made a difference in the midfield. Luke Shaw really made a difference at fullback. I mean, we know about Wambasaka and Delo. But each time another player comes in of another level of quality, it changes the game for United because some of the depth on the team, like Wambasaka can't pass. And so teams just sit off on sit off on United, wait for Wambasaka to get the ball and press him. So the whole offensive structure doesn't work. All the passing, all the control goes out the window. Uh, and I think from there, that allows for United to have the bad performances that we've seen. In this game, it really was a controlled, good performance. They got their goal in the first half, then a second half goal on a penalty that um, was called for a dive, and then VAR switched it. It was fair. Again, Ashley Young, the handball a couple weeks ago, this penalty. I don't know why he plays. He's 38 years old. What Sean Dyche is doing with him playing, I don't know. But uh, they reversed it. There was a VAR call. Sean Dyche complained, whatever. I- we all know my voice, my views on VAR. I hate it. But in this case, they got it right. Um, it wasn't a hard penalty. I think uh, ultimately Ashley Young put his foot down and there was contact. Marshall went over it, but it did hit. Uh, minor, but it was not a dive. Uh, so the yellow card got repealed. Rashford stepped up, finished it. Nice moment. Bruno Fernandez giving Rashford the chance for the goal. And then, of course, Martial from uh, from Bruno Fernandez on 75 to finish it up. Three goals, no good, no all done. Not really a chance for Everton to score goals. I mean, to be fair, Everton did put six shots on target. They were dominant. They took a lot of shots. They won the possession game. So they did fight. You did see the Everton that we have uh, been seeing all season. Um, you know, in terms of offensive firepower, in terms of them 
creating problems. They have been good nearly all season. Uh, I don't think people realize how good Everton have been all season. They're one of the better expected goal differences in the league, even though they have a 10-point deduction and they're in the bottom of the league. They played well. Uh, but United, I think, secretly or underratedly, are a very good defense. Um, they don't give up many chances. Or they have to play that way or they'll lose. Maguire was good again. Uh, the Maguire-Lindelof pairing is good. And now secretly, somehow, by hook or by crook, I'm going to go into my praising of Man United portion of the show. By hook or by crook, Man United are pretty high up there in the table. Let's just sort of get to the table right here um, and see where United are, just to give you a sense of Man United in sixth on 24 points. Right there, you know, right there, just four points away from the top four with a negative goal difference, with a zero goal difference. That should not happen. <laughs> but to be fair to United, they have weathered the storm. They have weathered the problems. They have gotten through this banter club moment where they were playing really badly. They still have had bad um, bad performances, but they're winning. Now, I did point out to John in our chat that their five wins have been against Brentford, Luton, Sheffield, Fulham, and Everton. That's four of the bottom five. And Fulham are there or thereabouts. So... You only have to beat who you're in front of. All those things are true. But they got the wins they needed while they were injured to get to where they needed to go. Big things for United here. Getting the front players scoring. Marshall, Rashford, Garnacho. Those are like the first, those are like the sixth through ninth goals from their front players in the whole season. So if United can get through this terrible period they were just in, identify that Mino might be a really good player that they should use. Uh, although Ten Hag is weird. Who knows? He might just keep playing McTominay. But maybe he'll play Casemiro and Mino. Mino, only 18 years old, from Stockport, just like Phil Foden. So Manchester vibes in the area. I respect it. I mean, as much as I don't want to love it, it's cool. Um, but it is good to see young players doing well for United. That's part of their DNA. So we saw Mino. We saw Garnacho. We see Rashford. These are important players. McTominay. They carry on that legacy of the club. They've weathered this difficult period. They've gotten their five wins. Now they have a big week. They've got this game that they want. They go away to Galatasaray. A must win of must wins. Right now they're, they're last in their group in the Champions League. They must win that game. Then away to Newcastle. I don't think the away to Newcastle game is a game that they have to win because they've put some good will together. They have to play well. They have to show spirit. They have to show togetherness. They have to show that when they play good teams, they don't just get the doors blown off them. But United in a good place for the moment. Everton, I think it's they've been hard done. Uh, I don't like FFP. I don't like restrictions. I don't like any system that locks in money. Either have a real salary cap and have a real system in place, but don't give me this half-assed, some teams get it, what the penalty deduction is. There's no ruling. Like, show me the grid. Show me the system. Show me what this thing is that I have to do so I can stay out of it. But the idea that there's some amorphous committee that just decides arbitrarily who gets the axe is so English. It's gross. Like, hurry up. Give City their penalty. Give Chelsea their penalty. Show me what it is. Tell me how it works, and I will avoid it. The problem is, is that it's arbitrary, dark. Who knows what's happening? And I think that's why Everton fans are so upset. Let's call it what it is. They're being made an example of, and it should really be a three-point deduction. 20 million. 20 million is nothing. 20 million is a shitty left back. Should Everton be relegated because they blew their FFP by $20 million? No. 
Anyway, that's where I'm at there. On to your Premier League leaders, the great and powerful Arsenal Football Club, top of the league on 30. That's huge. <laughs> uh, Arsenal, top of the league on 30, uh, with an unlikely hero of the moment, Mr. Kai Havertz, who I said is the worst $80 million player ever in Premier League history. But cometh the moment, cometh the man on 89. There's Kai Havertz with the stooping header in the back corner. I give a lot of credit to Brentford. Brentford at home is about as tough a game as you can have in a division, especially at night, especially in the winter, especially with Tomic Frank. They battled. They gave Arsenal everything they could handle. They didn't want the ball. They didn't care about the ball. And Arsenal could not break them down. Now, Brentford on the break were not great. Um, their best chance came from, <laughs> of course, Aaron Ramsdale having a howler. Uh, his teammates saved his ass. Uh, Declan Rice was incredible in this game, just controlling uh, the base of the midfield, taking the ball from defense. Uh, he even saved his goalkeeper on a mistake where they sort of had a mishap between a pass back. Um, Wisa and, and Buomo just couldn't get their feet sorted out to get a good shot on goal. But uh, there was... Rice blocking it, then Wisa missed because he had the wrong foot and kind of went with the outside of the boot and it went out of play. But this is another gut check game, another one of these character building games. And I think that the narrative for Arsenal will just be until they win a title, all these games will be character building. Any 1 0 where they grind it out post 75th minute is going to be character building. Uh, we only have like five narratives in the Premier League. Uh, I wish there was a Bill Simmons of the Premier League who could put it all into historical perspective and be really nerdy. I wish I could do it. I don't even know how to do it. Uh, there, we, there's so many things I wish that we had. Um, oh, we have a comment. Let's see what a comment is. How long ago was it? Oh, somebody who uh, wanted to uh, give us a uh, give us a uh, promotion. But anyway. Um, Good performance. Yeah, on the Everton thing, good good shout, uh, Nathan. The Premier League were overseeing Everton's transfers for three years, and they were warned they were close to FFP and brought two more fullbacks. And they tried to blame the $180 million on COVID losses. Yeah, I hear you, Nathan. I totally understand it, um, but I still think a 10-point deduction is too much. It, it's unprecedented. Um, if they declared bankruptcy and went into administration, it was a nine-point deduction. Why didn't Everton just freaking declare bankruptcy? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. The cr the crime does not fit the punishment. Uh, six points would have been fine, I think. Five. Ten is way, way, way too much for $20 million. Even And they participated. So thanks for that, Hassan. Good stuff there. Um, but Arsenal are top of the league. I think, like I said, we do have a three-team race in place, um, and Arteta can feel good about where his club are. I think we really, really do have a very, very tight race here. Even the underlying numbers, you know my nerd heads, we all, we all like for me to talk about this. The underlying numbers here, goal difference, 17 for Arsenal, 20 for City, 17 for Liverpool. 13 for Aston Villa. And then, of course, we have the outlier over here in, in Newcastle on plus 17. They did have a plus 8 against <laughs> Sheffield United, which does skew their numbers just a little bit. But um, I appreciate a fight. Uh, I appreciate uh, where things are. I appreciate that, you know, my pick, Arsenal, our <laughs> uh, top of the league. So maybe... Maybe I know something. Maybe I know football a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you, Hassan. It's unprecedented because it's a new rule. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you uh, on the Everton FFP thing. It's, um, it is, but I, I just don't, I just don't like it. I think it's, it's unfair. It's unfairly applied. Um, You know, City broke FFP rules in 2013 and 14. Got a transfer ban, had fifty million, paid fifty million in fines. Uh, I understand it's new, but why now? Why for this team? 
why at this moment um i don't i don't quite get how financial fairness means destroying a club we all know if everton go down with that stadium they will be ruined ruined completely um i don't understand how that helps sustainability i i do take the view of the other clubs you know if you're lester if you're uh, if you're Leeds, if you're if you're Southampton, and you played by the rules, and and here are Everton, how did they buy players? How did that happen? What whatever? Then I understand why they need to be. Um, yeah, going back ten years is a lot. Uh, they need to have a limit in time. You can go back on Nathan. They did. They they they. It's not immediate. Uh, there's there's Chris. Uh, th that's the issue on on some of the FFP stuff is it's way timed in the past. Like it needs to be immediate. They need more immediate accounting. The idea that you can go ten years back is ridiculous. Like that's that's the city thing is where we're going ten years back. Well, we can get back to this. Let me just keep going through my numbers. We'll keep having this conversation. And I'll keep the feed open. I just want to cover a few more big games that I really really loved. Um, so we talked about Arsenal and City and Liverpool. Uh, we talked about United. Let us get, before I get to my juicy favorite game of the day, let us get to the great and powerful Newcastle who annihilated Chelsea. Uh, the first half, it looked okay for Chelsea. They were in it. And then the second half, just too much power, too much pace. Thiago makes the mistake, and this game just got out of hand for Chelsea. They did not have a way to handle the power and energy of um, of Newcastle. It was kind of sad and pathetic, really, when I think about it. The goal from Isak was fantastic. Miley's assist was one of the better sort of nuanced and controlled passes. He's on the other jabak, a nice quick touch, straight pass into Isak, and he finishes. But the Lascelles goal on the cross, along with Joe Linton right after it, and then the place erupts. Once it's 3-1, the whole place explodes. Raheem Sterling's, it was level 1-1. Really nice free kick from Raheem Sterling. Whenever I see Raheem Sterling on a free kick, I laugh because he's the worst finisher in the world. He has these lollipop shots that he takes. But he did finish it well, so that was nice. Raheem Sterling has been the best player for uh, Chelsea all season. Uh, been a great season for him. Of course, a gr what a great game it was. Yes, Newcastle fans. We know, Lewis, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, but the force of Lascelles and Linton and the fact that they're injured and the fact that they could go take this young, um, <laughs> the American Magpie. Yes, Trippier's crosses are everything that's good in football. Agreed. He's the number one creator for that team. Basically, he's a, basically he's a, he's a traditional winger who also plays fullback. Um, but I would say that this is, really about Chelsea just playing terribly. Pochettino went nuts. He blasted the team. He was like, this is the very, 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 very worst performance we've had all season. Uh, I think it's more that once they got punched in the mouth, Chelsea collapsed. Uh, their line couldn't hold together. They were a mess. Uh, they couldn't handle anything. And then Anthony Gordon, again, on a really nice goal from Almiron, just to put the cherry on top. Anthony Gordon, player of the season for Newcastle, maybe? I think so. Uh, that front line attack came from Everton. Would have been nice if they still had him. But nice to see Isak there. Nice to see Miley there. And just the not complaining by Eddie Howe that his team reflects a no-nonsense attitude, especially at home, where they get roll up their sleeves and they go to work. No matter what player it is, no matter who's in the side, 20-year-old, 28-years-old, 30 years old, 16 years old, I don't care. You're in Newcastle United. You play for the shirt. You play for the city. You play for the cathedral on the hill. And you don't cheat the supporters. And you don't cheat your teammates. You give 1,000% work. As much as we can sort of criticize Almiron in the past, he always worked. Or Math or, or Mer Jacob Murphy, he always works. Even without Longstaff. That ethos of the team brings a spirit. And it happens. Joe Linton also embodies that spirit. And it's just a killer team, especially with the unbelievable skill of Isak up front. When he gets the ball, he can really make things happen. Um, but yeah, amazing, amazing performance. Uh, I wasn't a believer in Gorder, but I admit, but damn, he has proved me wrong. 
That's what you have to do. Yeah, three keepers on the bench. All these things are true. Nothing was available. Nothing was there. And now they have the biggest game of their season on Tuesday against PSG in France. I want to see them play like this. Don't be weak. Don't play for a draw. Play in Paris like it's St. James's Park, like it is home. Listen to the Geordies in the Parc de Prance. Bring as many as you can. Bring as many as you can. I'm going to Paris. Go to Paris. Everyone should be at Paris. Bring a knife. Stab an Arab. No, I don't mean that. I'm kidding around. Don't stab anyone. Um, but it's going to be tough. Uh, but really, how good is PSG really? They have Mbappe. They have Mbappe who doesn't work. Mbappe who I think he can be intimidated. So I'd like to see Trippier bomb up field, make Mbappe work, pin him back, because if Trippier is given time and space, he'll get the crosses in that would allow Newcastle to beat PSG in France. PSG don't play anything like Newcastle. Right? They don't understand what kind of force is available. And if they try and play, they've got to earn the right to play. And I think if Newcastle can punch them in the mouth, we'll see uh, a period there uh, where they can win this game. Have scored more? Scored the most? Four or four games? Not sure if it's true. doesn't matter. Print print the narrative. The Jordy boys are taking over. Oh, we've got the whole Newcastle crew. Look out. It's all crazy now. Uh, I do want to give a minute for Chelsea. I think this is normal. I think Chelsea are going to be up and down all season. Uh, it's going to be a problem all season for Chelsea. They're going to have moments. Uh, they're going to have moments at the end of the day where they feel good. They're going to have moments where they have amazing performances. And then they're going to have moments where they go away to St. James's Park and lay an egg. Uh, Reese James getting sent off. He's the captain. What are you doing? Uh, it was a little bit of a pullback on uh, Anthony Gordon, but... Not enough that I would say he should have been sent off, but this is a team of ill discipline. Uh, Pochettino has always had this problem. Even his first team would get into hijinks because they play on emotion. And when you have a young team that plays on emotion in an emotional game, they're always going to be in trouble. Yeah, I agree. It was a soft yellow the second, but he did pull him back. He did pull him back. Um, Chelsea will have a hard time staying in the top 10. Uh, the talent will keep them there. We'll give them the moments that they need. But this team is not good. I think we have to, Chelsea fans have got to turn the dials on their brains and go, we are a billion-dollar Southampton right now in terms of a young team that's put together and trying to have a go and have fun. But you are not Abramovich's Chelsea. This is not Marina Granescaria's Chelsea. This is Bowley's Chelsea. It's a completely different team it's a completely different team i don't think i've ever seen a team waiting for one player more than they've been waiting for on cuckoo there's no way and is going to have that much effect on the team it might but it's not going to completely change the team they still just have problems how is caicedo not playing i know he just came from ecuador i get it but just wild stuff um just a weird team. Why is Thiago Silva still playing? He's 39 years old. He's going to make mistakes. I just don't. What are they doing? Now, I'm not going to kill them. I think they're improving. They had a couple good games. But they did give up four goals two games in a row. Four goals two games in a row. And the one game that they scored four goals, they were up, they were up two men. So the Chelsea revival, they're still a work in progress. They're still going to keep going keep fighting and see where they are chelsea fans it's going to be a long season just accept it now in my favorite 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 game of the day what a fucking bonkers game this was it's Ange ball Ange ball Ange ball Ange ball once again spurs come out looking like winners even though they lost <laughs> it's so fun to watch spurs it was a mile a minute. They were all over Aston Villa in the first half. It was insane. <laughs> that Ange thing, they played four fullbacks in defense because they don't have any defenders because they cannot play slow fullbacks anymore. I mean, look at this lineup for Spurs and tell me what the hell this is. <laughs> it's just like, uh, let's see. Oh, they, they, I can't even, I can't even see. I have to do, I have to do it like this. 
That's Emerson Royale, Pedro Porro, Ben Davies, and Gukogi. That's four fullbacks in defense. Then they played Hill, Lo Celso, Kulusevski, Jansen, and Petancourt. All attacking in the midfield. Basically no defensive cover. And Sun. What? And they were just all over. All over Aston Villa in the first half. To the point that Emery had to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm happy that we got our goal on the cross later on. Um, I watched the Man United game. Have Spurs fallen off? No, I don't think they've fallen off. I think this is where they are. Uh, you know, I think that this performance was really good. Um, yeah, I agree. It's still a great season for them. Uh, I think that, you know, to even consider playing like this, it's a, a game where they've they've lost, but they've won. Uh, the goal came from Lo Celso. His first goal as a Spurs player, uh, and then Torres leveling it on a cross late. These plus seven minute things are just terrible. And then Ollie Watkins gets the goal late from Tillemans. Respect to Unai Emery. Again, also a lot of respect to Aston Villa, who changed their team. They were able to adapt, bring on um, bring on Tillemans, and bring on, oh, who's the other guy? The the Jamaican guy, the Jamaican fella. I have to find his name because he, he made a difference as well. Uh, let's make sure. Aston Villa, what's his name? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, these guys all got pulled off. Uh, Matty Cash at halftime because he was getting abused. Diaby at halftime because he was getting abused. So Leon Bailey and Tielemans came on. Sorry. Uh, they completely changed the game. And, you know, Unai Emery was able to see what was going on in Ange Ball and be like, not so fast, Ange. We're going we're gonna to change this thing and make it for them. Yeah, agreed, Chris. It's still a great season. Still a fantastic season. Just making it happen uh, all the way. But it's so fun to watch. Like When you watch Spurs, and even let's give Aston Villa a lot of credit, and you watch Aston Villa, you're seeing different minds at work and different levels of football that we haven't seen in a Premier League. This is different. This is something else where we have high lines. And I mean high, high It's like almost uncomfortable. You're watching, you're like, why is the defense there? Why is Pedro Pioro in the midfield? Why is Udogi in the midfield? Why is Emerson Royale playing defense? Incredible stuff by both teams. Conza and Pau Torres are way, way, way up. Uh, but, you know, it makes for incredible watching to the point that you can go back. If there was a game to go back and rewatch, just go on screen and rewatch this game. It's insanity and so fun. And that's the reason I think there's a lot of narrative online of like, why are Spurs getting so much praise for what this team that has lost three in a row? Because they embody the joy of football they are why we love football they are what we want to see what we want to feel a freneticness an attack mindedness a forward thinking a an unusual something different uh hinman's son scored a hat trick of offside goals now he was offside in all the goals to be fair but that's how close this was and that's how high a line aston villa were the defensive pressure that they played when they came up, they came up even, they were playing offside trap in the 18 yard box. <laughs> it was crazy. Just an amazing game. Totally enjoyable. Uh, like I said, Hinmin Sun, there were, this game was one, two to uh, at a, a loss for Spurs, but Ollie Watkins had a goal called offside and Hinmin Sun had three called offside. So that means it was four. It was 5-3 <laughs> in terms of goals that went in when you were watching the game. So that's just to give you a, 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 in mind, like these were really, really good, really, really attack-minded teams that really, really pressed the issue, and it was completely enjoyable. And we're not going to kill Spurs because this is a team, we have to remember with Spurs, that went from doom with Conte and Mourinho and Nunez, where last year, last year at this time or about later on in a year, Conte literally said, I can't win with these players. These players stink. There's one thing that has been the same, and it's the players. He literally said that. And now we have a different manager who's completely turned this team around to be the most unexpected thing of the season. Right. When the Tottenham manager, that's who we are, mate. <laughs> he has one plan instead of, I'm tactically inept, mate. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't agree, Hus, uh, Nathan. I, I think that I think that Spurs playing this way is at least is at I think with Spurs playing this way, it at least acknowledges what they're good at. It's not defending. We know that when they try and sit deep and defend, they lose because that's what happened with Spurs in the past under Conte. They they would just play Eric Dyer and he would get run around. At least they're going, you know what? Let's just go for 5-3. And they did actually score five goals, but three of them were offside. <laughs> so uh, I think I I enjoy it. I think it's incredible football. I think to, to poo-poo it and just think about it in terms of results, that's not where Spurs are right now. Right now, they don't care about results. They've already had results-based managers. They're now in a space where they're just like, can we just enjoy this, please? Thank you. Uh, and then for Villa... They are in the top four for the first time this late in the season since 2009. The Aston Villa, top four. Unai Emery, man. Respect, respect, respect. So many good, good managers. And I and I do think about these are Steve Gerrard's players, and he had them in 17th. Coaching matters. Nathan, 100%, bro. You cannot say that, man. It's stubborn. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'd love, I'd love, I'd love Ange on my team. You have to have a belief and a philosophy because that translates to the players. You can't back down because at this level, the players are good enough and they can do it. And if you give them belief, they'll believe in themselves. I know it sounds crazy. Uh, I don't like pragmatism. You can take your Mourinho's and flush them down a the toilet. I don't want that. That's no fun at all. I say no to Mourinho, and I say no to Conte. Although that first Conte Chelsea team, when they in sixteen seventeen, was really really good uh, and very very exciting. They scored lots of goals. Uh, games I want to bop around to as we get close to wrapping this thing up. Uh, I want to talk about, of course, my beloved Brighton three two. Um, this game was a barn burner. You can see there just went nuts late. <laughs> Dunk got sent off. Ferguson with the goal, an incredible goal. Alanga, wouldn't United like to have Alanga back on their team? Uh, but um, they pull out the win. It's, I believe, Brighton's first win in five. Deserby running up and down the touchline. Uh, Lewis Dunk getting sent off for two yellows uh, for cursing out the ref. Fantastic stuff. I enjoyed this game. Really fun. I still like Forest. They're just a really, really good team. Uh, I don't think losing to Brighton is too bad, uh, but they were up a goal. Uh, they were at home, and I think these are the kind of games that they might have thought they were going to win, but not so much. Uh, Brighton, their top four hopes slowly but surely slipping away. I want to go to ugh, my poor friend Vincent Company over at over at Burnley. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. <laughs> they are still winless at home. Um, they look good. They were up a goal. Koleosho had one not called and then did get another one. So that's a bit of a... But you have to have balance in Chelsea's blue card. Okay. Uh, these guys are having their conversations there. Um, I just think Burnley are in trouble. Uh, I worry for them. Uh, West Ham come back, as you'd expect. Suchek again. Uh, Muhammad Kudos, incredible player, although he did foul Koleosho for the penalty. It was a bit controversial, but I do worry for Burnley. Uh, they are in trouble. Um, I do. Here we go. Luton off the schneid, beating Crystal Palace. This was also an amazing game. The Kennel. The Kennel just going nuts on the Jacob Brown goal. Uh, Alise Thought he had goal of the season, but then Garnacho did it for him. I love that Aliso's back, but sadly, Eze's out. They can't seem to have them both on at the same time. Without both of them, Crystal Palace will have a hard time. I'm going to go. I went to Luton. I went to the here. Uh, Bournemouth 3, uh, Sheffield United 1. Um, this is really about Iriola turning this team around. Uh, Newcastle fans know about Semenyo. He is a menace. You've got to watch out for him. But Sheffield United also in deep, deep trouble. Um, Bournemouth, three wins on the bounce out of the relegation zone. We have some life from the bottom of the table. Good stuff there. 
Kevin Keegan was all out attack, the entertainers, but playing over halfway line. But, you know, I'm sure it'll give away a lead. Um, eh, not sure. Uh, but, you know, we have a relegation battle. Let's go to the table just to give a final wrap-up on where we are for the season. Just want to get there. How do I get to the table? Let us give me the table as I click around and search for the table within uh, the Premier League website. We'll see. Arsenal. After exactly one-third of the season, Arsenal lead the league, followed by City, Liverpool, and Aston Villa. I think that these three can safely be said to be the top three. I think they'll be there all year. This battle for fourth. United give themselves a shot by winning these crappy games. Uh, I don't think Spurs have the numbers. Uh, and then Villa, they'll be there. Uh, they're scoring lots and lots of goals, but this Christmas period is going to be difficult for them. And then from the numbers perspective, say that Newcastle should get there. It's going to be tough um, because the battle between Villa, Spurs, and Newcastle is going to be... this. This These four battling for... Um, the top four for this fourth slot is going to be difficult. And then this middle group, I think uh, Brighton, West Ham, and Chelsea will probably make up the next middle class here. Um, you can see the gap here. But I think Chelsea will sort of, as the season progressive, they'll they'll move further forward. And then we have, I think, the safe teams in Brentford and Wolves. You know I love me some Gary O'Neill. Uh, Wolves play Monday. Uh, Palace have been slipping, but I think they'll be okay. Uh, New, uh, Nottingham Forest, bad loss, losing points at home. Fulham are one bad run away. I think they're really, really poor. But I think that this bottom group is so, so bad between Luton, Sheffield, Burnley, um, that I think that Everton will actually get out of this group. They'll chase Luton down. And it will be between Everton and Luton as to who goes down. We know Everton have quality. But Luton have been given a lifeline. Otherwise, they'd be in this bottom three. Um, and Bournemouth, we've seen Areola has gotten this team moving forward again. Uh, so I'm I'm more likely to think that this group here, this 17 and down, is actually going to be the group. Um, this Everton deduction for for the breach of Premier League's profitability and sustainability rules, it's bullshit. And I think that the Premier League should have to explain themselves. Frankly, I think it's crap. <laughs> Semenyo was on steroids against, uh, yeah, he's really, really good. Well, I think Iriola is a good coach. So we'll see what happens with this battle uh, here. So we'll figure that out as we continue uh, and figure out what happens next. Um, so I'm going to wrap this sucker up as I get myself right in the middle there. Um, okay. We're saying goodbye. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Cortines. We are the premier league wing of the Top Football Club TV YouTube channel and presented exclusively by the Football Tonight podcast. We record on Sundays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple or YouTube or wherever, please rate and review the show. It means everything to us, and Chris and I will be on again Thank you.